Good morning, Mission View. Glad to have you with us this morning. Uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just take a moment to wish a happy Father's Day to every father that's here. Uh, you're extremely important to your families and to the life of this church, and uh, we're just so glad that you're here, and I hope you feel loved today. And uh, I love the, uh, the worship song that was just sang a few minutes ago about we have a good, good father, and that reminds us of our Heavenly Father as well, and that's just so so important for all of us. So anyway, I'd like to just wish you all a happy Father's Day. Um, if you're watching this service through live stream, we, we wish all of you a happy Father's Day as well. And uh, greetings to you from Mission View. And uh, we're glad that you could join us as well. Um, as I've been preparing this week, it's been an interesting week for a lot of different reasons. Our dog got sprayed by a skunk last night, and that was kind of a, uh, a little bit of a fire drill at 1130 at night. My son and I are out we're out uh, pouring everything we could think of on this dog to make him smell tolerable, but uh, I think we accomplished part of our purpose. But some of the things that I came across here in the last several weeks, uh, Matt had asked me to share a message on Father's Day about five weeks ago. So I've been thinking about this for a long time. And I think one of the things that stood out to me was just in preparation for Father's Day, there's so many messages that we're getting about Father's Day, and you know they're kind of media messages. And the comments are like this, they say, Remember your father on Father's Day. Don't forget your father on Father's Day. And, you know, as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, what does that really mean? And you know what it really is? It's a retail message. It's about buy your dad a sleeve of golf balls or get him one of those mugs that say greatest father in the world or something like that. So it's kind of uh, revenue-driven of the, uh, the wishes that we get. But what I'd really like to do this morning is I'd really like to have you remember your father on Father's Day. And I say that because each of us have people that have been in our lives that have been tremendous influences in our lives, our dads. And I think as you look at this, it says, let me tell you about my father is what's on here. Um, I kind of shortened it down, let me tell you about my dad. And uh, so I think everybody has a story about their father. I just think sometimes we're so busy that we don't always slow down. You know, it's easy to throw dad a sleeve of golf balls or a necktie, but sometimes it's, it's hard to slow down and say, let me really take some moments and think about the role that my father had in my life. So that's one of the exercises we're going to do this morning, and we're going to look at Scripture as well and just see some of the, the fathers throughout Scripture uh, that God had worked in their lives and uh, kind of the qualities they had as fathers as well. So if you would, uh, we're going to look at just some, some recent information. provide financially for their family. It's become less common for dads to be their family's sole breadwinner. Dads are much more involved in childcare than they were 50 years ago. When it comes to giving, uh, caregiving, moms and dads are still viewed differently. I think sometimes in our culture it's like, you know, mom hugs and, and nurtures and dad disciplines and directs. Um, maybe a little bit of that still exists um, based upon this research. But the last one was, whilst while they're spending more time with their children, many dads feel they're not doing enough. My question to you is, does any of this sound familiar? Because I think it's just something that has just become, you know, part of our culture right now. Let's, uh, before we go into our, our study this morning, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we bow before you this morning and we ask that you'd take this time and use it for your honor 
in glory. And help us understand the importance of being a dad and our need for you to teach us, correct us, and inspire us to be the fathers that you have called us to be. Amen. Uh, you may remember uh, a number of years ago, uh, our pastor Steve Marshall at that time had shared with us something that he uses to communicate with people. And I thought it was just a, a kind of a brilliant way of building relationships. And one of the things that Steve uh, would do is he'd say, hey, tell me your story. Tell me your story. And that was a way to hear about somebody's heart, what was important to them, the things that really were kind of top of mind. And then after that person would share their story with Steve, Steve would share back with them, well, let me tell you my story. And, you know, it's relationship building. It's just quality stuff. And I know Steve did this like he, like he breathed. But the purpose behind that was to say, tell me your story. I'll tell you my story. And then I'm going to get a chance to tell you his story. And it was always motivated by the fact that I want to point this person to Jesus. And this morning, as we look at like a Father's Day message, what I want to do is I want to just take a little different twist on this and say, um, you can do this with people, and it is just a, uh, you find out so much, and you learn so much about their heart and where they're at. But one of the things that you can do is you say, tell me about your dad. And it's interesting what somebody will tell you, because when they tell you stuff about their dad, they may be really proud of the impact their father made in their life. They may have hurts. They may have all kinds of different uh, thoughts as it relates to their father. But after they've had a chance to share with you about their experience with their dad, then you can go back and you can share with them and say, well, let me tell you a little bit about, about my dad. With the hopes that at the end of that as well, you can say, but here's the role my heavenly father played in my life and how my heavenly father fixed a flawed man like me and put me on a path where I'm not perfect, but I'm living for him. And I look at that and I just say, that's something that we can do easily. And it's something that allows us to build relationships and learn about people and point them to Jesus. So that's one of the hopes of today's message is really to uh, encourage you to think in those terms when you're with other people. This morning I'm gonna tell you about my dad. And this is more of just an illustration you know, I had a, uh, I love my dad to pieces. I mean, he was a uh, good man. But this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you about him as an illustration for you so you can understand uh, how you can look at your own father and how you can tell the father's story to somebody else. Uh, I'm going to start at the beginning here. And just there's, there's a couple key areas that I'm looking at. Uh, looking at my father's faith, his family, his work ethic, his personality, his values, and how he treated others. So my challenge to each of you today is that when you get in a quiet moment, think about those things related to your dad. And if you're a dad, think about those things as they play out in, in front of your, your own family. But um, in my case with my father, my father passed away when I was 30 years old. And quite honestly, he's been gone 27 years. If you do the math, you can figure out my age. But uh, <laughs> the, the thing I know is it seems like... Uh, what he did in those 30 years, I still remember. And my four older brothers, they still remember. He, you know, he made a great impact on us. And I think that's what dad's roles are, is to leave a legacy, you know, to build into your kids that they, they remember your voice, they hear your voice, uh, even you know, 27 years later. His faith was, was quiet, but it was strong. Uh, we weren't raised in an evangelical environment or a Bible preaching environment, but my, my father knew the Lord. And uh, we did go to church every Sunday, but Honestly, we didn't really hear the gospel. But he my dad valued God's word. There'd be, you know, night after night where I'd see him 
you know, studying God's word in the corner chair, and that was something that was a pri priority for him. He served in his church. He used his time, his talent, and his treasures for the Lord. Um, he was devoted to his family. He was raised in a family where uh, there was three kids. Uh, my dad was the middle child, and he, one of the things that stood out was uh, his father drank heavily. He was a, his father was a hard worker, but he was a hard drinker as well. And what my dad was like, he was like the designated passenger. And what that meant was that my, my grandma, what she would do is she would send my dad down to the bar with his father to sit you know, in the car until he came out. Not sure that was the wisest move, but that was what my grandma did. She thought he would be safer if he was in the car. Go figure. But anyway, uh, that's, my dad was around that a lot, so he saw that kind of uh, destruction in a family, and he knew what that meant. But you know, the other thing was, as my dad grew older, one of the things he did was that he was a principal uh, here in North Canton at Orchard Hill. And after work, what he would do is he would go over to the nursing home my, my grandfather was in, and he was just you know, nearing the end of his life. And my dad would go after work and feed him. And you, know, you just think about the role of a, a father in a son's life and how sometimes a son looks back out after the father. But uh, just interesting. He valued his family. He valued his own kids. And uh, he, he was a, a wonderful man. Uh, his work ethic, uh, he, was a, he was a flight engineer in, the, in World War II and, um, you know, did a lot, of, a lot of flights. And I won't go into the war stories, but one of the things that he had hoped to do after the war was he wanted to be an airplane mechanic. That was his goal. He thought that would be like the epitome of, of a career. And what happened to him, there's a place here in Canton called Martin Field, which is out kind of um, on the east side of Canton. And my dad was there working one day, and he was propping a plane. And as he was propping this plane, the ignition kicked in. And when he propped it, it came around and it hit his hand, hit his hand and uh, severed it. So all it was doing was just hanging there. So here's a guy that was planning to be an airplane mechanic, and you lose use of your right hand. Uh, I don't think anyone would have ever said my father was an intellect or anything like that, or that he was uh, uh, somebody that was going to be really good in school. But what he did is he said, okay, I can't, I can't be an airplane mechanic. I'm going to go to school, and I'm going to muscle through this and figure this out. So what ended up happening is he uh, went to Kent State, he got into education, he became a teacher, and then became a principal, and did the absolute best that he could with what he was given. And I think it's like that for a lot of us. You know, when you think about life, there's the plans that you have, and then there's what happens. And you make the best of it. And I think in the midst of all that, I know he trusted the Lord that this, these weren't my plans, but this is what you've given me. I'm going to make the best of it. Um, his personality, he was a little bit shy. Uh, he was a little bit playful as well. Um, I, I joked, I was sharing this with my wife. I said, I think my father was a little bit of a rapper before there were rappers. And I say that because uh, he would say to my brother Greg, he would call him, he said, Gregory Joe from Kokomo, what do you see and what do you know? He'd say to my brother Tim, his, his Timothy Lee, he's from Tennessee, what do you know and what do you see? And he would just say these kind of stupid things to us sometimes. <laughs> But it just was evidence of just his playful nature. And uh, his values, I think one of the things that stood out most was honesty. Uh, he used to say to other boys, and you know, I think he was, um, he, you know, he kind of uh, tried to make sure that we were honest in all things. And he would say to us, I can tell you're lying to me by the look in your eyes. And I don't know if you've ever done that to anybody, and I didn't know what my dad was doing to me, but he was trying to get me to buckle my knees. He wanted me to give in, because there was times I was telling him the honest truth and he was just playing a game with me to see if I would, if I would confess. And uh, so I think he had a, learned a lot of wisdom over the years. Um, and as far as how he treated other people, uh, 
I, I always saw him as being kind. Quite honestly, that, that's just the way he was. Um, he, one of the things he did for us is he taught us to root for underdogs. And I don't know if any of you uh, have that natural tendency to root for underdogs, but it's a blessing and it's a curse because I, I know how many times I rooted for the Cleveland Indians when they lost 105 games. And for some reason, they lost 105 games and I still felt pretty good about it. I'm like, well, hey, it wasn't 107, you know, good year. So, you know, those were some of the things that he passed on to us. And, uh, and as I say that, that's my dad. All of you have dads that have had wonderful impacts. And you know what? The other thing would be is that God teaches us through the good and he teaches us through sometimes the disappointments. So what I would say is just reflect on the role your dad played in your life today. Thank God for them because they've given you the, uh, the platform and the experiences to be who you are even at this moment. Let's look at Scripture, and we're going to look at a couple uh, character studies in Scripture. We're going to look first um, at the qualities of Adam, and I call Adam Dad 1.0. And uh, as we look at this, uh, you're just going to see that uh, uh, the things that God did to establish Adam and then what happened next. Um, as we look at the Scripture, we're going to look at uh, Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing uh, that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over everything that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And it was there, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. As we look at the scripture here, we see how God set up Adam in the beginning. And God designed Adam. He was created in God's image. Scripture tells us he was, you know, obviously given life. He was given God's blessing. And he was given the resources that he needed to be successful. You know, things like plants and seeds and trees and fruit, fish and animals. Scripture goes on in Genesis 2, uh, 15 through 18, to show the responsibility that was given to Adam. And, you know, we think about the parallel to the, the responsibilities that every father is given, but God gave Adam responsibilities to work and keep the garden. God also gave Adam boundaries for evil and uh, for understanding evil and good. And uh, he, he gave him a helpmate as well, which, you know, I look at this and say, um, how important it is to have a helpmate by your side, especially is a dad, uh, because there's, you know, we have blind spots, and our helpmates help point those out, and God knew exactly what he was doing when he designed that. So uh, we see that it was an important quality of Adam's life as a dad. In Genesis 3, 8 through 12, we see Adam's sin nature on display as he avoided taking responsibility for violating the boundaries God had established. You know, I'm going to read this to you, because I just think this is so important, and I know in the last couple of years, this has really stood out to me. But in Genesis 3, 8 through 12, this is what happened with Adam and Eve. Um, and they heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, God, the Lord God among the trees of the garden. 
But the Lord called, him, uh, called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard, the sound, uh, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to? And the man said, the woman who you gave to, who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Um, in my notes, I had written something like, God, was, or God had given uh, Adam the ability to throw Eve under the bus but I really don't think that was God that gave him that ability. That was the sinful nature of Adam, where he didn't take responsibility for what he was responsible for. God gave him instructions, and Adam said, hey, it's not me. You know, my wife did that. Or you gave me this helpmate, and hey, I wouldn't have done this otherwise. The implication is for us as dads, take responsibility. You know, God's given us responsibility, be responsible. We see beyond this, you know, we go to uh, Genesis 4, 1 through 16, and what we see here is we see that God gave Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and I won't read through the scripture here, but what I'll, I think you know the story how uh, Cain killed his brother Abel, and it may give some evidence of the fact that, you know, what role did, did Adam play in coaching up his kids? I'm not sure Adam had a whole lot of role models to follow, or, but, but at the same time, it just shows you uh, sometimes the absence of a father's instruction can lead to to bad things. So those are some of the qualities of Adam we're looking at this morning. And you just see, you know, how the dad process began. And uh, we're going to move on and we're going to look at, we're going to look at Noah. And this is one that is just, I think, a really, a really cool uh, view of what a dad looked like through Noah's life. Uh, let's look at this in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. And this is how God used Noah. And uh, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of his thoughts, of his heart, was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out the man who I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, and for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It goes on to say, these are the, well, I don't think I'm going to read all that. No, I am going to read all that. We're going to move on. These are the, righteous, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blame, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all the fish corrupt, uh, corrupted their way on the earth. All the flesh, sorry, all the flesh <laughs> The fish didn't corrupt. The flesh did. There we go. For all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, not fish, from the earth uh, is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them on the earth. Scripture reveals here that Noah was righteous, blameless. He walked with God, had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, I wonder what the three boys would say about their father. You know, I think observing the uh, discipline that the father had in building an ark, and I don't know if any of you have been to the, uh, the ark down in Kentucky uh, to see that, the, you know, the replica, but if you see that, you realize how significant that task really was. But I think they could, couldn't help but look at their, their father and say he was determined, he was organized, he was detailed, he was a hard worker. The scripture goes on in verses 15 through 22 and gives God's, God's plan for building that ark. And I think one of the things that stands out for all of us is that Noah listened, and Noah did as he was instructed. Uh, 
you think about the duress that that ark had to go under. If it wasn't done God's way, this wouldn't have worked. So it's a, just an interesting uh, character study as you look at Noah's life. Um, one of the things, though, that stands out as well is when you look at uh, Genesis 8, 20 through 22. And I think this tells us so much about Noah. It says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean animal bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil uh, from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down, uh, strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. Um, you know, it's interesting because you look at Noah's life and you look at what he did, how God used him. Think about the fact that they were in an ark for 40 days and 40 nights with animals, family. Um, you, you can't help but think that there was maybe a little bit of, there were moments there where they're thinking, what's going on? I mean, we, we can't even go from like, you know, North Canton to, you know, Myrtle Beach without people saying, when are we going to get there? You know, <laughs> what's up next? And, uh, you know, having to stop along the way and meeting all kinds of creature comforts. But they had to trust the Lord in the midst of that. When the flood had subsided, when the ark stopped on a you know, dry ground, one of the things that happened was Noah worshipped God. And I look at this and I just think, what an illustration, because once again, there's the family watching dad, and they're saying, what does, what does dad do when God delivers? Well, dad stops and he realizes who the deliverer was, and he worships God. So. These are qualities about Noah that are just precious. They're ones that sometimes we run by because all we think about is Noah built an ark. But Noah worshiped God. And the challenge for all of us, too, is, is, is fathers. Your family's watching you and knowing who you give the honor and the glory to. And, uh, you know, the question would be is, do you give the honor and glory when God delivers to your heavenly father? Think about how Joseph responded in a situation that was, uh, you know, epic. You know, it was a situation that was, uh, hadn't happened ever before. And uh, you could see that he loved Mary. He didn't want to put her to shame. Uh, he thought quietly about divorcing her. And then the angel came, and all of a sudden, it all became clear to Joseph. This passage shows the, the trust that Joseph, or this shows that Joseph was honorable, honorable and that he trusted the Lord. As we move forward, we'll look at uh, Matthew chapter 2, uh, 13 through 23. And what you'll see in, in these passages of Scripture is just how the angel of the Lord again appeared to Joseph and said, you know, we're going to, I want you to escape, I want you to take, um, uh, Joseph was instructed to, to escape to Egypt to protect Jesus from Herod's proclamation to kill all males less than two years old. And then in verses 19 through 23, um, the angel of the Lord appeared again after Herod had passed away and said, you know, you can take Jesus and Mary back to Nazareth. But the one thing with Joseph is that uh, he was a good executor. He did what he was told to do. And I think that also leaves a question for all of us, is that if God has told you to do something, do you do it? You know, when God nudges your heart, do you do what he calls you to do? And that's something that Joseph was a great example for. Let me ask, before the, uh, before the Lord 
the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph. Do you think Joseph had plans in his life? Goals, objectives, things he wanted to do? I think. I think Joseph probably had his, I don't know, three-year plan, five-year plan. I don't know. But he had a plan. But then all of a sudden, God interrupted those plans. And Joseph is going in a different direction because God's called him to. It's interesting for all of us because I think we all face that challenge. There's times when, you know, you make your plans. And actually, it's good that you establish plans. But what's better is that you yield your plans to the Heavenly Father when he says, Randy, uh, not this way, that way. Uh, I think that's important for all of us to recognize. And uh, so anyway... Something else about Joseph, and I don't know if you've ever paused long enough to think about this, but he was dad to our Heavenly Father. He was dad to Jesus. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that, you know, where you, you know, it doesn't say it in Scripture, but I'm sure it had to happen. There was a point where Joseph is holding Jesus. He's looking down at this kid. And it's like, this is a man, but this is God in my arms. I just think that's, that's awesome to think that he had that opportunity and what a blessed man he was. Uh, the term I would use is that he had a front row seat to, uh, to Jesus walking on earth. And he had, a, he had some influence of just teaching him how to be a boy and teaching him how to be a man. And I think that's just so cool. So uh, in summary, we look at Joseph. He was just honorable. He trusted God. He had a front row seat to what God was doing to save mankind. And the other thing about Joseph was he was yielded to God's plan. And that's a, a great example for all of us. This morning, I think there's some takeaways for all of us as we, as we sit here this Father's Day. Um, if you're a dad, I just want to remind you and encourage you, if you don't know it already, your role is extremely important. Uh, you don't have to be perfect. Like Joseph, you have a front row seat in awesome things that are going on in your family. Um, and that's something that I think we just need to stop and be thankful for. The other thing is being a dad, a lot of people think it ends when your kid graduates from high school. And uh, I don't think it ever ends. You know, I, I know Jim Marshall, and I think Jim, you know, he speaks into the lives of, lives of his family. And I think that's really neat. And the other thing is I look at his family, and they still listen to Jim because Jim's been around the block a little bit. And uh, I just think that is so cool. And that's the same thing as moms, too. But I would also say, you know, it's Father's Day. Just remember, I, I had a guy that I worked with, and uh, he had three boys himself. And he said to me, he said, you know, he said, my boys don't listen to me, but they listen to my dad. And I just thought, interesting. And, and he said, and I don't mind if my dad speaks to my boys because they, you know, they value what he has to say. So just important things to remember, that being a dad never ends. Um, if you're a wife, love and encourage and pray for your children's father. He is not perfect. He will have some awesome dad days, but some days he will fail miserably. Uh, God the Father, he'll fill the gaps, and that's important for us to know. If you're a son or a daughter, think about your father, his faith, how he values his family, his work ethic, his unique personality, his values, and how he treats other people. Learn from him. Learn from the positive. Learn from the negative, too. 
Because I think God gives us illustrations like that to say, I'm going to do that or I'm never going to do that. But still, I think there's a moment where God's given you a, a teachable example. Make sure you use it. And uh, encourage your father, pray for him, and thank God for him as well. Fathers fail their children, and they fail their children through things like abandonment, abuse, anger, neglect, and other sins. Human fathers fail to be perfect fathers because all humanity is sinful. God, however, is the perfect father and the father every human father should be like. Dads typically want to, uh, you know, want what's best for their kids, and I think that's probably to be said for all of us. You want what's best for your kids, but you don't know how to give them always what's best for them. If we look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, and um, this is just an important passage, um, or it goes on to say in Matthew 7, once again, verses 9 through 11, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And I underlined in my notes, to those who ask him. Because I think what it comes down to, you know, we want the best for our kids, we want the best for them, and there's things we can't deliver. But if we trust the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I don't know what is going to happen with Joe, but you know Joe's future. And... You pray and say, Lord, I'm going to do the best I can, but I need you to fill the gaps. The Lord will do that, and uh, that's what we need to be mindful of. So anyway, next uh, part here of our, path, or, our, our message really deals with just the attributes of God. You'll find in your bulletin the following as a reminder about all the qualities of God the Father. And these are meant to be an encouragement to you as well, because as you look at these attributes of God, sometimes we forget how great and how mighty and how awesome our God is. And I would say, uh, stuff these in the front of your Bible. Or, uh, you know, but just remember this. Uh, we look at the, looking at the Scripture, God is infinite, meaning He's limitless. God is immutable, unchanging. God is sufficient. He, needs, he doesn't need our help. Um, he's om omnipotent with unlimited power. He's omniscient, omnipresent. He is wise, perfect in wisdom. He is faithful. God is good. God is just. God is merciful. God is gracious. He is loving. He is holy. And God is glorious. And I even think through the summer months, you think about some of the beauty that you see in creation. Remember who made that. Remember who did that. And sit back and just say, that is awesome. I don't know about you here in the last couple of weeks, but um, as the day gets old or ends, you look to the west and you see some sunsets that have just been miraculous. And uh, you just pause and you say, Lord, you're just showing off. And, uh, but he's glorious. I'm going to close this morning, and uh, I thank you for just the time to be able to share with you and encourage you as dads and as families. But I'm going to close this morning with the hope for fathers. And, and the hope for fathers is the hope for all of mankind. It's the gospel. And... Uh, I think, think of every father you've, you've ever known. Um, they're, all, they're all flawed because of sin. Uh, left to himself, you know, a father is, is lost and, and really doesn't do anything good. You know, I mean, we just stumble sometimes in our, our way. 
Who can permanently fix a flawed father? Who can make the righteous, the unrighteous, righteous? If you would, look with me at Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. And I'm going to close here, but this is, this is kind of the, the key that ties it all together. <clears throat> when you look at Romans 3, 21 through 26, God's word says this. Um, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Jesus will fill all the gaps where we fall short. But he doesn't do it if we don't depend on him and if we don't recognize who we are and our need for him. So as we look at this, we just look at the gospel and we say, that's it. That's the solution. So today as you leave here, you know, we're going to have an opportunity to spend time with our family and our, our fathers and encourage them and to wish them a happy Father's Day. But what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to do a couple things. One, if you're a dad, think about the dad that you are and the, the, where you go to for help and who you rely on and who you depend on to be the dad that God's called you to be. So I ask you to do that first. And everyone else, you all have a dad. And I'd encourage you today to reflect on the dad that God's given you. And remember, you know, just the influence that he's had in your life. And today, before you throw him a sleeve of golf balls or a mug or a necktie, tell him what he means to you. And, uh, and I just think those are important things that you can do on Father's Day. So anyway, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for making a way to fix flawed fathers, the fathers that know they are sinners and need a Savior to save them from themselves. This morning, our world needs dads that have placed their faith in Jesus and are willing to yield their life and their plans to you. This morning, our community and in Mission View Church need dads that are yielded to you and look for your hand in their day-to-day -day lives and worship you and give you the honor for the goodness you've demonstrated in their lives. Lord, I thank you for the dad you gave me and for every father hearing this prayer this morning. We praise you. We worship you, we worship you this morning, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.